Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now to some of the stories of our Australian war veterans. Eric Jones has interviewed four people about their experiences in war in Darwin, on the Kokoda Track, Papua New Guinea and Borneo. Eric's from St John's Anglican Church at Padstow in Sydney and he's joining us now to share some of these remarkable experiences. Eric, thanks for joining us on Open House. Good evening, Lee. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. Has there been anything in particular, Eric, that sparked your interest in this kind of history? I've always had a lifetime interest in military things. My parents always thought I would go into Duntroon, but I never ended up. And I missed out on the draft in Vietnam, so I, just by a month or so, so I never ended up in the military. But I've always had an interest in my family members and just a general interest in history. What was it about it that captivated you so much, do you think, Eric? Service of people, uh, the personal experiences of my relatives, ranging from POWs, one of which died on the Sandakan track, uh, my grandfather being badly wounded on the Western Front as a direct result, meeting my grandmother as a war bride. And if I hadn't have done that and he hadn't been wounded, I wouldn't be talking to you tonight. <laughs> no. So these people you've interviewed for a presentation you've made in the lead-up to Anzac Day, they're aged between 88 and 95. Were they keen to tell you their stories? Because for so many decades, many of our diggers, men and women, kept it to themselves. In 1995, I produced a book, and I went and interviewed them, wrote the book, and they were all agreeable. And when I've asked them again to do this, they were agreeable. There is only one bloke, um, Gunn Tobin, actually, in 1995, wouldn't tell me the full story of how he saved his platoon at that stage. But in recent years, he's been prepared to talk about it. But the others are always being quite prepared to. We also wanted to honour all those who served and those on the home front who actually supported them. Because for every person in the front line, you have a host of people, whether it be in protected industries, war factories or private families sending food parcels to England like my mother did for her relatives. It's a very good point to make. So can you take us through each of these stories? I'd love to hear them. The first one is... Ivy Barnes. Yes. Ivy Barnes was a three-week-old bride when her husband left for Singapore with the 8th Division. On the 15th of February 1942, Singapore fell. Now, Ivy and wider family... For them, very uncertain times, particularly about the fate of Frank, her husband. He was captured and he actually suffered terribly. He was taken, of course, from Singapore to Japan, as many were, and they were put to work as slave labour. Ivy herself was motivated to go into the Women's Australian Army by virtue of the fact that her husband had been captured. She told us funny stories and things like... When they were up in Darwin, for example, there were about 200 women, there were thousands of men, and all the women had to be guarded, literally had to be guarded. Endlessly asked to go to dances and things like that and parties. In the end, the women got sick of it, to be honest. (laughs) But uh, we had two families, actually, that had members captured at Singapore. One returned, and the other died on the infamous Sandakan Death March. We had a, a guest the daughter of the bloke I'm going to talk about next, Errol Hughes, who lives in Sabah in Malaysia, which was the old British North Borneo where the Sandakan Death March had taken place. And 
had actually gone along and had walked part of that trail in the villages where these men all, except for six of them, I think from memory, went to their deaths. Wow. And Errol Hughes is 89, Eric. Yes, that's right. Errol um, served in Darwin in the 133rd Heavy Anti-Aircraft Battery. He also served in the Markham Valley in Papua New Guinea. I guess the most intriguing story that he told us was that the techniques that the Japanese used when they sent over their bombers. Darwin, I think, was bombed about 90-odd times, but in the times that he was there, he was bombed about 30 times. But anyway, the Japanese would send in their Japanese zeros to strafe the anti-aircraft guns as a preliminary for the bombers to come over. On one occasion, the plane came so low that Errol could see the whites in the eyes of the Japanese pilot. He actually thought he was going to die at that stage. He was 18 years of age, and because of the fact that it was so close and the the machine gun bullets were just passing him just by, it was quite incredible. The Japanese commander of the aerial fleet was Michu Fushuda. He was also the commander who led the raid over Pearl Harbor, you know, the film Tora, Tora, Tora. Mm-hmm. He actually uh, led that raid, and 10 ships were sunk, 25 ships damaged, three to 400 wounded, two to 300 men were killed. But after the war, Fushida was converted through a track on the life of a POW who was on the Doolittle raid on Japan. His name was Jacob de Shaza. Uh, and after the war... Fushida and Deshaza joined up and they became evangelists together and they evangelised Japan and the USA for many years. What a remarkable turn of events. The next one you spoke with is Norm Enzo. He's 87. That's right. He was an engineer, although actually put up his age to go. (laughs) Officially he's 92, but he put up his age to go into the army in the engineers as a signalman on the Kokoda track. He laid telephone lines. The army always wanted good communications. Now, the Japanese had a nasty habit. They would come out and they would cut the lines. They wouldn't go back to their units. They would wait for the signalmen to come up who had to repair the line and they'd try and kill them. Very dangerous work in the Kokoda track. So finally, Garn Tobin, you mentioned him before. He's yeah, 95 but- these days. Glenn is 95, actually, yes, and he served in the Markham and Romo Valleys in PNG and then in Borneo. And the story was that in Borneo, his patrol was ambushed. The commander and the Bren gun carrier were killed, and Garn was next in charge. And now, the Japanese tactic was that they commenced firing what they think someone would do, like the natural thing to retreat. Well, they would send down troops on either side of the Australians to envelop them and kill them. Garn knew this, so he knew that if he retreated, more than likely, he and the eight other men would probably be killed. Mm. So he had inspiration. He told his men to follow him. They got down on their knees and crawled. There was long grass between them and the Japanese machine guns. They crawled right up to the just underneath the Japanese machine gun and they went to the right and went around. They could literally hear the Japanese talking. And they got out to the side. And as they got out, and the way they got out, they came across a wounded Australian soldier, Buddy Williams. He was at the time a well-known country and western type singer. Buddy Williams asked them to give him a Tommy gun. He was badly wounded to hold up the Japanese because they realised what was going on and they'd try and chase after them. 
Gan refused, and he and his men dragged him away, got him to safety and saved his life. In 1985, Buddy Williams was dying from cancer, and Gan rang him. Buddy thanked Gan for the extra 40 years Gan had given him. Gan was recommended for the military medal for that action, but was never um, given. Uh, one little aspect of Garn's life, of the 2,660 men of the 2nd 31st Battalion, he is the last who will march in the March and next Thursday, Anzac Day, of his battalion. The original 2nd 31st Battalion, you know, banner has been sent up to Townsville and a duplicate uh, replica has been made and he will march behind that banner as the last representative of his battalion. A champion. And from your conversations with these four significant Australians, how will they be reflecting on Anzac Day this coming Thursday, Eric? I'll give you an example. Errol Hughes, for the last three years, has been in hospital for Anzac Day. His reaction was when the doctors told him he has to go in for another operation, no, I'm not. I want to spend Anzac Day at home to observe it. And for Garn and for the others, it's a, and for Norm, it's a significant occasion. It means a lot to them. There's one other story that you've come across of great and powerful Christian witness. Yes, that's the story of Henry Kerricks. He was the chaplain to the Nazi war criminals in the Nuremberg trials. It's the story of him, Henry Gerek, in relation to von Ribbentrop, Hitler's foreign minister. In his ministry, Henry actually led von Ribbentrop to Christ. Von Ribbentrop, he was the man who signed off the treaty between Germany and Russia before they went into the war with each other. He signed off for the partition of Poland. Half was to go to the Russians and half to the Germans. So he wasn't involved in the death camps as such, but nonetheless for waging war, he suffered the penalty. His last words about it, just before he was to be hanged, I'd just like to quote them. I place all my confidence in the Lamb who made atonement for my sins. May God have mercy on my soul. Then he turned to Gerrit and said... I'll see you again. The executioner pulled the lever and he was hanged. There are important stories that still need to be told across the generations. Eric Jones, I'm so glad that you've done the research and uh, that you've shared them with us tonight on Open House. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lee. Bye-bye. And perhaps the final word tonight and a word to keep in mind this coming Thursday should go to another man who knew all about what war was like. Dwight Eisenhower, a five-star American general in World War II, Allied Supreme Commander in Europe and ultimately President of the US. He once said this, I hate war, as only a soldier who has lived it can, only as one who's seen its brutality, its futility, its stupidity. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.